I'm Ricky with Everyday Woodworking, your podcast home for tips, tricks, and information on how to make the most of your woodworking time and money every day. Well, welcome back to the show. We are back at it today, all up in our new series on setting up a small shop. And today we are looking at working with a budget or more specifically, how to make sure you can afford all those cool new toys we're all look, always looking at. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at number one, the basics of setting up a budget. Uh, number two, things you can do to build some financial discipline or stick with your budget. And then number three, finally, we're going to look at some sources uh, for money and financing for things that you can't afford yet. Uh, but before we do, let's do a quick update on what's happening in our world. Alrighty. Um, well, I mentioned our handmade carpenter bee traps um, last week, and man, they are just boop, they're just taking off. Um, and it's it's just that time of the year. Carpenter bees are getting out and about. Everyone's noticing noticing them, and we're all getting a little anxious about the damage um, that they can do. Um, but I, I wanted to bring this up um, for a couple of reasons. One, I had a lady um, on some social media on a social media post express some concern with our killing of the carpenter bee, which she noted is one of nature's great pollinators. And they are, no disrespect. Um, but every year, there's always someone, at least a someone, that gets like super duper upset because we're just not like leaving the bees completely untouched and unaffected. And frankly, it kind of gets in there, under my skin, but I'm, and I get it, okay? I, I sort of get it. <laughs> I don't like it, but I get it. But... I wanted to throw some info about this out your way uh, in case you guys, in case you've got any concerns about this yourself, or maybe, you know, you, maybe you're making some of these carpenter bee traps in your shop and you're selling these. And if you get some folks that are giving you some flack about it, then maybe this will give you some information that you can use to explain things to them. Because I had a couple of people express some concerns and after explaining some things, Actually, one of those ladies wound up buying a carpenter bee trap from us. So, you know, it's, uh, I know we kind of tend to have the idea of if somebody says something, the best thing to do is walk away. And I get that too, but there's nothing wrong with calmly, intelligently, and graciously making your case. Okay. You don't want to get, I don't think you want to get in an argument about it, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, sharing some information. So that's what I what I want to do here, real quickly. I, I see, I see this carpenter bee trap as a way to help curb the carpenter bee population, and we do it without all the power and chemicals and dangerous side effects. And if left unchecked, these carpenter bees are very destructive. I don't care. Well, I, I, I googled about some of this, and I found a lot of sites that said the damage was grossly over-exaggerated and it's really not that bad. But these people were also saying things like, we love to sit out on our porch and hear them buzzing 
Yeah, well, it just it just drives me nuts. So, but these sites, these are not factual sites. These are opinions, um, and that's all they are. I'd love to talk to that guy when Carpenter Bees, the ones that he loves to hear buzzing away in the wood around his porch, when all that causes like rain damage, rain leaks and water damage that rots that roof out and costs him about ten grand to replace the roof on his house, then we'll see how excited he is about that. But every year, Carpenter Bees do in fact cause incredible amounts of damage. And it's not just cosmetic damage. This is structural damage. So, so let me let me break this down real quickly. This is the way I love to do it. I haven't been able to find, for some weird reason, any statistical data on the annual cost of carpenter bee damage. Maybe I'm just not finding it. But I'm using my experience and my house as an estimate. Okay. So let's just say oh, over a 10-year period, if a carpenter bee deteriorates the wood to cause my shed out behind my house to eventually collapse, which is entirely possible, that would cost me, let's just say, a thousand bucks to replace it. Okay, dividing that out, ten years—that's a hundred dollars a year that that damage has cost me. Okay, now in Georgia, there are currently around five million homes. That's just in Georgia, where we are. So. Let's just multiply that times, let's just say 10. That should easily cover the South, even though carpenter bees are a concern not just in the South, but all throughout North America. But let's just multiply that times 10. That's 50 million homes like mine. Multiply that times a cost uh, for the damage of $100 per year. That's $5 billion. Five bi- that's that's on par with termite damage right there. Now, okay, so now, that's not even including costs of like deterring them and things like that. I'd say that's I'd say that's a lot of money. But even if I'm overestimating, let's just cut that by ten percent. Okay, that's still five hundred million dollars a year, and that's not covered by homeowners insurance. So, okay, so. <laughs> That's a lot of money, Jack. With that in mind, I do want to encourage you, whether you get them from us or from somebody else, get you some carpenter bee traps and put them in use around your house. We make them uh, at our in Apple Valley Farm. That's our woodworking business. Uh, we make them. Um, I, I say it's cheap insurance. So if you want to get some from us, do. For our listeners, going to do the same thing we did last week. If you want to go to our website, I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And use the discount code EVERYDAY. That's all one word, E-V-E-R-Y-D-A-Y, for 25% off the retail price of our carpenter bee traps. Okay, so that's just some cheap insurance. That's my spill on that. (sighs) I need to calm down. That sticks in my craw. It really does. Something else, though, um, as you know, if you listen uh, regularly, I never do a show without having a coffee mug in my hand. I love the coffee. Um, I mean, I try to give a shout out to some of our favorite people by using a coffee mug with their company logo on it because we also do, uh, we also post this to our YouTube channel. Um, but today, I'm revisiting someone that had uh, given us a coffee mug 
earlier, and uh, and it's because we're doing uh, this show is so focused on money and finances. I thought it was really appropriate for us to go back and revisit our coffee mug with ETS Financial. ETS Financial, uh, friends of ours, Eric and Missy Scoggins. Uh, we also worship with them down at Cornerstone Church. They own ETS Financial. I I don't really have enough time here to like get into all the things that ETS can do for you, but in short, they're retirement income planning specialists. Uh, they folk their focus is helping people who are retired or nearing retirement to properly plan for the most important phase of their financial lives. And it's what ETS calls the distribution phase. I'm going to put a link to their website in the show notes, though. I highly encourage you to contact them today for all the details about how they can help you prepare for your financial future. I'm also going to leave a link to Eric's book, Retire Strong, on Amazon. A must read for anyone who's starting to to really take a hard look at the need to plan for the coming years. I can't say enough good things about the Scoggins and everything they do. They are a godly, trustworthy family, and their reputation in business is second to none. So definitely get in touch with them today at ETS Financial. Thank you guys. Thank you, Eric and Missy, again for the coffee mug. My coffee is fantastic out of it. All right. And hey, if you've got a business uh, and you'd like and you like what we do here, send us one of your branded coffee mugs. Hey, we will be happy to uh, take a look at using it here and we'll tell everyone a little bit about what you do and how to find you. Our address is in the show notes. So check that out and send us your awesome coffee mug today. Setting up a small shop, working with a budget. Uh, Let's take a look at part one, setting up the budget. Now, I'm not going to specifically tell you how to set up a budget. Uh, It's not that complicated. But I'm going to give you some resources for some information that will help you through the process of setting up a budget. To start, you need a budget. I mean, you just do. It's like money 101, okay? If you don't know where you're spending your money then you're wasting your money. You may want to write that down. I'm going to say it again. If you don't know where you're spending your money, then you're wasting your money. There are tons of uh, great apps uh, and places online that will help you walk through the process of setting up a budget. Uh, Although, again, it's not rocket science. You just decide how much you're going to have coming in, decide what you want to spend, and then keep track of what's going out. It's pretty it's pretty easy stuff, but I'm going to list a few here, and I'm just going to go ahead and say here in the beginning, and I'm not going to continue to repeat it. I'm going to have links to most, if not all, of this down in our show notes so you can find any of this stuff online once we're done. Um, personal Capital at personalcapital.com. Um, they are uh, – I'm not only going to – by the way, I'm only going to list – free resources here. So Personal Capital is a free online resource, um, a pretty easy user interface, but um, they do have a concentration on investing. So that may be a little much for you unless that's your jam. Um, but Personal Capital um, is is a biggie. 
um, mint at mint.intuit.com. They're also a biggie, um, and they are very personal finance oriented. So that might be a really good resource for you there. Uh, BudgetTracker.com. They're another one. Uh, BudgetPulse, P-U-L-S-E.com. Another one. MoneyStrands.com. They're another one. Uh, I do want to at least mention the Dave Ramsey organization because they're probably one of the most popular resource sites uh, in the market or in that space right now. Um, their budgeting tool is not free though. Um, but I at least wanted to mention it since they're so popular personally, and this may be a little controversial, but I'm not a fan, uh, in general of the Dave Ramsey group. I just don't happen to agree with their Christian, their quote unquote Christian philosophy, um, about what they do, but that's a whole nother issue. If you've got questions for me about that, we can talk about it. Ask me. Um, I'll be glad to expound on that, but I'm not going to do it right here. Um, So I'm not a fan, but I'm throwing it out there because they are so well-known. And a lot of people swear by the Dave Ramsey program. So there you go. Uh, A few good uh, ideas about setting up the budget. Now part two, sticking to your budget. Setting the budget is is easy. Uh, Sticking with it, for me... That's tough. For most of us, it's tough. Uh, The ongoing act of budgeting uh, requires discipline. And in many cases, a willingness, it requires a willingness to do things that just don't come naturally to most of us. That's why, frankly, there's an entire industry of people who will do nothing but help you stay on the straight and narrow when it comes to your budget. Um, Now, most of the apps that we mentioned just a minute ago, they will do that to a degree. Um, But the biggest thing you can do personally is just have a plan and work your plan. Now, for me, that means having a set of what I like to call budget commandments and stick to those as if God himself carved them in stone. Uh, I'm going to list these 10 commandments. Okay, I've got actually I've got 11 commandments, but I'm going to list these commandments here. And if you follow these, in my opinion, you will greatly increase your chances of succeeding at sticking to your budget. Okay, number one, with income, tithe first. The money is not yours. Tithe on it. Give your 10% back to God. Number two, save at least 10%. If you don't pay yourself, nobody else is going to pay you. Always put money back for yourself. Number three, give yourself money to below. If you work all the time, that makes for a sucky life. Do not think you can do it. Yes, you have to be disciplined, but you don't want to be miserable. Give yourself some money to go get something frivolous, okay? All work and no play makes you a very dull guy, okay? Um, Number four, use the 30-day rule. This is something my granddaddy taught me. Anything over, let's just say, and this will be different for everyone, but let's just say $200. Make yourself wait 30 days before buying it. If you still want it after 30 days, you'll probably have researched it out, and it'll be you can you can have reasonably uh, reasonable assurance 
that that's probably something you have a need for. You have a strong need for, or at least you have a strong desire for. Most of the time, after 30 days, you're going to move on. You're going to move on. This just helps weed out some of those impulse buys that you could rather do without. Number five, debt. Debt absolutely can kill you. Don't avoid it, but handle it carefully and quickly. Pay off your revolving debt every month. It is like a loaded gun. It's a great thing to have, but it can kill you if you use it improperly. Number six, keep your receipts. You will forget what you spent, how much you spent, when you spent it, where you bought it, blah, blah, blah. Keep those receipts. Keep them in an organized place. You you will forget. Number seven, write stuff down. Uh, Whether it's on paper or whether it's digitally, it helps to see your budget goals and milestones in front of you. Write these. In my opinion, it's critical to write this stuff down. Number eight, learn to love a sale. Saving money is never a bad thing. Number nine, be intentional. That means have a plan and have a goal and work it. Number 10, expect failure. And when I say that, I mean expect for the unexpected to happen. Have an emergency fund because something's going to happen that you're going to need. It's going to be a big expense and you're going to need to cover it. So have an emergency fund. Number 11, the bonus thing is be accountable. Get your spouse, a mentor, a banker, somebody to check your books periodically and make sure you're staying on the path. All right. These, those are my budget commandments. All right. Stick to those. I think that will help a lot. On to part three. Show me the money. When you need money and you can't wait, where are you going to go? This, this can be really dangerous. Okay. And I'm going to blow through this because we're getting a little long on time, but this is a dangerous area. As I said, debt isn't necessarily a bad thing, but debt unmanaged and unaddressed can absolutely destroy you. Uh, And we're talking about personally as well as business-wise. Use your credit muscle in a way that helps you keep it in shape. You have to use it or you lose it, but make sure you're doing it wisely and pay off your debt as quickly as possible. Okay, I'm going to give you some sources for possible um, uh, sources of money in case you need to spend, to get, to buy, whatever something that you don't have the cash on hand for. Obviously, credit cards are an obvious, easy fast source of additional money. They're also very dangerous. Don't hesitate to pay them off. Don't go crazy with it either. Don't borrow more on your credit cards or don't extend yourself on your revolving debt further than something you can pay off that month. Always pay your credit cards off at the end of the month. Uh, Personal line of credit um, that should be very short term. Um, it's also very dangerous too, uh, because it can really impact you personally. 
small loans are another way, but they're honestly, they're pretty hard to qualify for. Um, and be careful if the banks ask you to put up collateral. That can be really dangerous right there. You don't want to lose your car over a new table saw. Okay, so just consider that. Microloans are also growing in popularity. They can also be a little difficult to qualify for. But in that same vein, crowdfunding through someone like Kiva.org, very, very popular. You can get very small amounts. You can get very great terms. Um, it's I think crowdfunding is a really good uh, possibility. I like that more than anything else we've mentioned so far. Uh, of course, if you've got an amazing idea, you can always do something like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe or something like that. Um, a home improvement loan or refinance, you can do this, but your home equity is precious. You don't want to wrap that up, in my opinion, in your in your hobby or in your small shop. I, I just don't think it's a good idea, but I know a lot of people will do that. Uh, I don't encourage it, but I'm throwing it out there. Debt consolidation is not a very uh, good thing. Consider the life of what you're buying. Okay, if you're if you're reconsolid if you're consolidating your debt, your long-term debt to get money to buy something that's going to last for the short term, that's stupid. Like, don't do that. Just don't do it. Okay. Um, retirement withdrawal. I've done it. Um, I know it's that money is there. It's supposed to be for your retirement, but a lot of people tap into that uh, for startup cost and uh, capital and things like that. You can do it, and if you pay yourself back, hey, that's great. You're paying yourself back with interest, but remember there are going to be penalties, um, and you're you're tinkering with your retirement money. So not encouraged, but it's there. Um, investors like angel investors, um, it could be a great possibility. You might want to look into something like that. You can also ask friends and family. In my opinion, I would avoid it if possible, because anytime you start wrapping up money and business with friends and family, it's a very volatile, volatile combination. And, um, I just don't know if it's worth it. Okay. A lot of information. I am way over on time this week, but I wanted to get all this in one thing. Um, That is it for our budgeting episode. But if you've got questions, definitely let me know and we'll we'll dig into this a little more if you need us to. I'm pretty proud of this this episode. I think we we had a lot of good info here and I think this could really help, um, you know, with setting up your small shop. Uh, whatever that may involve for you. And of course, as I said, we're going to have links to everything we talked about in the show notes today. So lots of info. Uh, So make sure you check that stuff out. Also, be sure to tune in next week. I'm going to continue the series on setting up a small shop by looking at shop feng shui. This is going to be cool. It's going to be fun. No, don't flip out. We're not going to like, we're not going to be meditating um, we're not going to be meditating. Uh, we're not going to go like deep and philosophical on this, but we are going to look at how to arrange your shop. And I'm going to consider things like workflow, tool selection, ease of movement, um, cleaning, things like that. 
Um, and, and so we really want to see how to arrange your shop. I think uh, it's going to be a must listen uh, for all of you small shoppers out there. Hey, if you've got questions or comments about anything you heard today, definitely let me know what you think. I am always on the scout for great questions. Uh, also, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please take a second. Leave us a great review. We love it. We need it. It helps us so much. And wherever you're listening, we would love it if you subscribe to our podcast and became a regular listener. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, obviously, we post a video, a video of each podcast on our Apple Valley Farm uh, YouTube channel. That's our woodworking channel. So definitely like, comment, and subscribe to us there as well. And finally, uh, if you'd like to learn even more about us, you can always check us out. Check out our show notes, our store, our woodworking projects, all that stuff over at applevalleyfarmga.com. That is it. Thank you guys so much for being here and hanging out with me a little long. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope to see you next time right here on Everyday Woodworking.